Disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm Peter, and I'm here with my co-host, Lee. Hi. And you're joining us for a Tragedy Tuesday. Yay. Our mini-episodes about disasters that usually end up not being mini. Not by a long shot. Usually usually tragic, though. So yep. you got that to look forward to. <laughs> I say joyfully, because we all know why you're forward here. Forward to tragedy. Before we get started, I'll do a little bit of housekeeping, like I always do. If you're new here... Welcome. Thanks for joining us. If you're thinking of what to do if you want to support us, the best thing to do is to tell a friend to listen to this podcast if you like what you hear. And you know what? Even if you don't like what you hear, tell a friend and be like, I listen to the shittiest <laughs> podcast. You got to check this you gotta out. You got to hear this. It's you got the worst. The wor- it's a disaster. It's yeah. in the title. Yeah. Uh, the next best thing you can do is subscribe if you aren't already and leave a review. That's super helpful wherever you listen. You can also check us out on social media at This Disaster Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com. And our brand brand new Patreon, patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod. If you sign up at our only tier right now, you'll get a cool hand-drawn print. And if we get enough patrons, then we have ideas for a brand new feature that we'll put together and release to you, the patrons. The Patriots. The Patriots. (laughs) That's dangerous. Yeah. Thinking. Don't. Tread on me. No, no, (laughs) no, no. no. Uh, Anyway, today we have a tragedy brought to you by Lee, and I can't wait to hear it. Lee? Here we go. Tragedy? Lee? Got one for you. Let's hear it. I'm going to uh, fall back on the old standby of uh, Folkies. Booyah. Folkies from the 60s, 70s era for whom things didn't turn out so great. Awesome. I mistakenly the other day said that our very first Tragedy Tuesday was one that I did, but I think the first one was one that you did on Matreya Kali. Oh. Which was... A.K. Craig Smith. Craig Smith. Listen Got to that another one. one of those for you. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> Folk yeah. musicians and tragedy seem yeah. to go hand in hand. You know, it was a tough time. <laughs> okay. Today we're going to talk about Jim Sullivan. Okay. Jim Sullivan was an American singer, songwriter, and guitarist. Mm-hmm. He grew up in the Linda Vista area of San Diego, California. Mm-hmm. He was the high school quarterback. Okay. Big man, big boy. Right. Yeah. He's inspired to play music after being exposed to local blues groups. Okay. He married his girlfriend, Barbara, mm-hmm. uh, she being the homecoming queen. Okay. Right out of high school, and they both had a son shortly thereafter. Jim was playing in a band called The Survivors at the time. Okay. No, they're called Survivors at that time. They weren't called Survivors at the time. Wait. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it right. Nice. Uh, he I was like playing it. in a band called Survivors. At the time. At that time. <laughs> That's what they were called, survivors at that time? With Yeah, with several dot, 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 dot. <laughs> uh, with his sister-in-law, Kathy Doran. No clarity still. Were they called survivors? Do your own research. Okay. <laughs> it's called Google. Use it. He and a friend bought a bar around this time, but okay. it lost money, and as a result, Jim lost interest. <laughs> you don't say. No more to that story. <laughs> That's fair, though. Yeah. Is it making money anymore? I'm out of here, yeah. I thought this would be easy. So in 1968, he and his family moved to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Barbara ended up being the breadwinner of the family, landing a secretarial position at Capitol Records. Hey! Hey! Ever heard of it? Kind of a big deal. Probably less and less now, actually. Well, yeah. (laughs) At the time, it was big deal. So Jim Sullivan would play gigs at night and spend his days songwriting and listening to records by Karen Dalton, mm-hmm. John Prine, mm-hmm. and John Stewart, who you were sort of... say, like I've heard of Eddie. Oh, <laughs> come on, dude. Where are okay. you there? No, these were sort of relevant folkies okay. of the time period. Interesting that he's going to the folk music route. You said, like, quarterback? Married, yeah, quarterback, the... you know, sporty dude, and he was listening to blues groups, so... I mean, not to, not to disparage, you know, you do you. 
make whatever yeah, music comes to sure mind. Sure, you had you a know? you know sensitive side too, mm-hmm. but it was a it was a very popular musical movement at the time. Baffling, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's something for everyone. Sure, yeah, uh, John Prine, I've heard of. Okay, of those three, the other two, not so much. I okay, just sort of. Um, but it's kind of funny because <laughs> his wife works, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll work too. I'll stay home and listen to records. <laughs> it's work. It's research. It's hard." Yeah. yeah, in his underwear. Right? <laughs> it's got to be in the underwear, babe. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to don't want to screw up the vibes. That's right. In fact, his son Chris, who's now fifty eight and an English professor, hey. was quoted recently saying about his father, the idea that he might have to be a square mm. and go work for someone else was probably as repulsive to him as cutting off his own hand. Really, though, like if your options are work a job or lose your hand. <laughs> or lose your hand. Go wait some yeah. tables You can pour yeah. some coffee or mm-hmm. something. Yep. baby. Yeah. No, I, I, I get not wanting a boss. <laughs> I get wanting to have a hand more, though. I'll take the hand. <laughs> yep. Suck it up. <laughs> so Barbara's boss at Capitol Records, uh, John Rankin, tried unsuccessfully to get executives at the label to notice Jim's music. Okay. John Rankin apparently believed in Jim's music enough to go to bat for him, but his position wasn't Particularly high up, so he couldn't generate any interest, didn't have a lot of sway. Oh, bummer. So, bummer. However, being based in L.A. would prove to have uh, its own fair share of perks for Jim okay. during this period, thanks in part to his making friends with Lee Majors, okay. Lee Marvin. Mm-hmm. Lee Majors was a $6 million man. Oh, Yeah, and Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, nice. Who we heard about in the... Replacements episode. Oh, we sure did. Drinking with the replacements. That went well. (laughs) And others during his time in the Hollywood nightclubs. Mm -hmm. So he's hobnobbing with the stars. Okay. He appeared as an extra in the movie Easy Rider. Oh. Which I've never seen. Me neither. My only point of reference for Easy Rider is that Office episode where Michael Scott is giving a toast to Phyllis at her wedding. Do you remember that? Uh, I do. I don't remember the he Easy just Rider drops reference. like a super awkward joke. Oh, they called her Easy Rider. They used Rider. to call her <laughs> Easy Rider. And that's when someone takes the microphone from him. Right, right, right. So You're out of here. Haven't, haven't I seen, hate you. <laughs> haven't seen Easy Rider. No. And he performed on the Jose Feliciano television show. Oh. You don't remember that? Nope. Nope. Not. So Al Dobbs... Let's talk about Al Dobbs for a yep. sec. He's an actor turned cue card holder for the Rowan Martin's <laughs> laughing show. He was that good of an actor? <laughs> they promoted him to cue cards? Yeah. I don't know if I'd even call that a lateral move. <laughs> Maybe they told him that it's a job, like an acting job. <laughs> we need you to act like the best cue card holder okay. ever. Finally, I'll be getting in front of the camera. <laughs> well, uh, camera adjacent. Starts with research, heavy research <laughs> yeah. for years, spanning a career. We've looked and you are the best at holding things up <laughs> at eye level. No one does it better. So Al Dobbs also felt compelled to help Jim out after hearing him perform at the Malibu nightclub called The Raft. Okay. So Al Dobbs was determined to get Sullivan into a recording studio. So he raised money from friends and co-founded his own label called Moni. Moni or Money? M-O-N-N-I-E. So I'm just going to say Moni. Moni. Yeah, okay. Or Manny. Maybe I just wrote it weird. No, it's probably Moni. my own writing. Let's go with Moni. Sure. Even if it's an A, you could be pronouncing it like fancy. Yeah. Moni. Moni. Yes. Honey, bring some money. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know what that is. Jimmy Bond, Mm -hmm. Earl Palmer, and Dan Randy Mm -hmm. from the famed studio band The Wrecking Crew Mm -hmm. were recruited 
to back Sullivan up. Okay. Do you know about the Wrecking Crew? I don't. They were a group of studio musicians. Okay. They were like Phil Spector's guys. Okay, yeah. But yep. they sort of, I don't know if they were officially mm-hmm. a team or anything. I think they just became known as the Wrecking Crew, but they were this okay. like up and coming bunch of young kids on the music scene okay. in the early... 60s, or maybe in the late 50s when sort of rock and roll was becoming a thing. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So the, the older guys would get offers for these commissions where it was like, we're going to, we, we're doing a rock song. You going to play on it? Yeah. The older guy's like, no, nah, that's 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 garbage music. I'm not oh, going to play okay. it. The younger guys are like, I would like to eat this yeah, month right, and yeah. pay my rent. So yeah, I'll play that stuff. So this, the Wrecking Crew ended up on, like any sort of hit from the time, chances are they were on it. Okay. If they're talking about Beach Boys, Sonny and Cher, The Righteous Brothers, Mamas and Papas, like right. they're all over that stuff. So there's a documentary called The Wrecking Crew. It was on Netflix. Maybe it's still on there. Okay. You got to check it out. Sweet. It's fascinating. So, so they yeah. were probably on stage playing with Marty McFly when he invented rock and roll. Yeah. Maybe one of them. Which is a fact. <laughs> That's, how rock, the That's how rock and roll was invented. Yeah. Your kids are going to love it. So yeah, so we had guys from the Wrecking Crew on his record. So that's Sweet. pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So Jim Sullivan's first album, UFO, was released in 1969 to very meager sales. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since Al Dobbs and crew had next to no money to promote it, yep. the impact it made was virtually non-existent. It's all about the promo. It really is. Even back then. Oh, yeah. Now you got to shout the loudest just to get heard, and it's probably like times a million. But even then, if you don't have any backing, you can be as good as you want. Exactly. You got to make a splash. Yep. You got to get the name out there. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the resources, what are you going to do? Yeah. Knock on doors? (laughs) (laughs) Beg people to listen to your podcast? Yeah. (laughs) What a bunch of losers. Uh, The album was remixed and reissued by Century City Records Mm -hmm. the following year with the track Rosie being issued as a single. Okay. But still, it did not make a splash. Hmm. Undeterred, Jim Sullivan continued playing live. In 1972, another shot at success came in the form of Hugh Hefner's Playboy Records. Oh, he had a record label. Apparently he had a record label. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Branching out. Yeah. Which asked Sullivan to join its roster. Okay. So work began on his follow-up to UFO Mm -hmm. with help from bassist Jim Hughart, Mm -hmm. who himself was very prolific musician slash engineer working with Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett, Sammy Davis Jr., etc. Yeah. Some big names. He knows what he's doing. The Rat Pack. Hey. Hey. Yep. So Jim Hughart uh, wrote horn and string arrangements Mm -hmm. for the album. This uh, album had more of a rock and roll feel while still retaining much of the psych folk flavor of its predecessor. Okay. So the LP titled... Jim Sullivan was released in 1972. Unfortunately, Uh-oh. comma, yeah. record stores weren't sure how to handle something they most likely and fairly assumed was X-rated right. <laughs> due to the Playboy bunny <laughs> logo right. sitting there on the cover. Yeah, Playboy, in mm-hmm. turn, proved that their marketing savvy was limited to naked right. bums and boobies and fair enough articles about your hi-fi and stuff so what you're saying is jim's <laughs> involvement with playboy did not help erect his career <laughs> <laughs> what i'm saying mm-hmm. is that if i can think of another innuendo on the fly <laughs> i would use it right now <laughs> are you saying that jim's choice to go with playboy was a bit of a boner <laughs> I am saying that. Nice. Couple of grown ass men here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sullivan's professional struggles eventually started taking a toll on his marriage, mm-hmm. with his son Chris stating that the failure of his second album marked the dissolution of their family. Jim began drinking heavily during this period. 
Okay. So the Sullivans decided to separate in 1975. However, mm-hmm. Jim had an additional plan that he would travel to Nashville, find session and songwriting work, then send for his family for them to all get set up in Tennessee. Sweet. And live happily ever after. Actually sounds like a decent plan. Yeah, not yeah, bad. Do it. You can do it. Chris Sullivan remembers the day his father left, shaking his hand and saying, okay, We'll see you later, which sounds <laughs> imbued with confidence. Unremarkable. Yeah. But unfortunately, that was the last time he saw his dad. Oh, well, you know the name of the podcast. You know the name of the <laughs> The rest of the story comes from typewritten notes by Barbara Sullivan, okay. Jim's wife, yep. who died in November 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, these notes were shared with the New York Times, I'm assuming after her death. Yeah, okay. So he left for Nashville on March 4th, 1975. Mm-hmm. Uh, the following day, Barbara gets a call from Jim telling her he was all right. Okay. <laughs> Since she had no reason to think otherwise, uh-huh. as it had only been a day yeah. since he left, she pressed him for details. I was going to say, I, I, I feel like she did have reason to suspect otherwise. <laughs> yeah. If I ever got a phone call from you, right. that was just, well, first of all, if I got a phone call from any of my friends, I'd be like, why the fuck are you calling me? Yeah, what? Is your phone broken? <laughs> yeah. Like, just message What's me. What's the emergency? Yeah. Who died? Are you on fire? Right. If not, hang up and message me. Exactly. Other than that. We're in the 60s. If you ever no, called me, 70s. if you ever called me and yeah. were like, uh, hey, Peter, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter, Lee? First off, first off, I'm okay. Everything's all right. <laughs> Is it? Go on. Uh-huh. So naturally, yeah, she, she pressed, pressed him for him details. From, yeah. Like, what kind of all right? Mm-hmm. Meaning what? Uh, receiving only cryptic responses, mm-hmm. including... This is a classic one. Yep. You wouldn't believe it if I told you. <sighs> oh, re- you know what? Try me. Yeah. Let's see. Let's skip past Let's that. Let's put that to the test. Just... That's like social media status posts that are like, d- don't even. That's vague booking 101. Vague booking. Is that a thing? It is a thing. I, nice. I'm not that smart. I like that. <laughs> but it's it's great. I just, I just hate that. I like, know. The day I've had, don't even ask me about it. No problem. Don't post it about. Don't post about <laughs> it. Don't don't post. It. Say it or don't. Yeah. I'm not gonna beg. Yep. <laughs> yeah. My thing was always like your friends do like, oh yeah. you know what? Never mind. <laughs> nope. Dude, yep. Say it. I'm not gonna beg you. Yeah. Say it or don't. Yeah. And then they go. Oh, I was just gonna say. Yeah. Then just say it. You just said it. <laughs> it's uh, hard work being my friend. I'm very That's demanding. Fair enough. No. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that much of a tyrant when I'm actually with my friends. No, that's it, This is just my inner monologue. So after Barbara continually asking if anything was wrong, yeah. Jim wrapped up the call, <laughs> telling her, forget it. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll call you from Nashville. Okay. Great. Uh-huh. Days go by without a check-in. Hmm. I'm going to jump around date-wise, okay. but it's just sort of, you know, you, you, you'll figure it we'll out. We'll stay on our toes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, your co- <laughs> ha- have coffee before this next yeah. section. You, you, you wouldn't believe I told you. <sighs> Just uh, like, did it. <laughs> uh, so March 14th, mm-hmm. hospitals, when did he leave? March 4th. Yeah. Okay, March 14th. Yeah. Hospitals and police along the route that he'd taken are mm-hmm. contacted by Sullivan's family. Okay. One lead was turned up via a New Mexico police officer okay. who claimed that Sullivan had been pulled over on suspicion of driving under the influence. Yep. Uh, he passed a sobriety test and then checked into the La Mesa Hotel in Santa Rosa, New Mexico. Okay. Apparently at that point he'd been on the road for 15 straight hours. Good time to take a break. Good time. <laughs> Could possibly explain why they thought he was messed up. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Inebriated. Yep. So police told Barbara that the bed had never been slept in. Hmm. 
in said hotel room. Mm-hmm. Going back a few days, March 8th, Sullivan's car was towed away from rough Mesa studded country okay. about 24 miles south of town. A Mesa is, do you know what it is? I think I so. I had to look it up. It's like a, you, you tell me. Well, it's just sort of like a rough patch of land that's sort of elevated right. from the ground. It's like it's like a flat surface. Yep. It's like... Yep. Yeah. That's that I think of Black Mesa. Yeah, me too. Research for right. Black. And there's the little song and portal where they mention Black Mesa. They sure do. For the gaming nerds. Mm-hmm. So his car is found there looking pretty abandoned. The 12-string acoustic guitar mm-hmm. is prized possession, apparently, uh, sitting in the front seat was a sign that something was very amiss. Probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes acoustic guitars. <laughs> yeah. It's stupid. <laughs> Burn them all. Uh, According to famed cue card holder Al Dobbs, (laughs) (laughs) Jim would never have left that guitar. So something's amiss. So after investigators couldn't turn up Sullivan or a reason for his disappearance, two of his brothers arrived to conduct their own search. Mm -hmm. They, along with several other volunteers, found no trace of Jim. Okay. Which, on one hand, it's like, why do you think you can do better job than professionals? But on the other hand, they've got a little bit more of a vested interest. Sure. So and maybe they know him a little better so they can pick up on things. Yeah. Yeah. And fair enough. I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah, like, probably. I'm going out there. Stupid cops. The only lead of any substance that they found came from a Mrs. Ginetti who owned a nearby ranch where Jim's car was found abandoned. Okay. She claimed to see a man standing by the car and asked if he needed any help. Yeah. To which you replied, nope. She radioed her neighbor, <laughs> Mr. Emile Bigelow, yeah. who called the state police, and that was sort of what they being the ones who eventually towed his car and is abandoned. Right. That's what prompted that. Huh. By the time they did so, no sign of Jim. Or the man. Kind, kind, kind of spooky. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It's pretty spooky. Hmm. Unsettling. So various theories began to spread involving the mafia, mm-hmm. the police, mm-hmm. and extraterrestrials. Because of his first album title? UFO. Yeah. Hmm. Barbara Sullivan took solace in the idea that her husband was abducted by aliens. Sure. I mean, it being an easier thing to believe in than probably any number of the more realistic alternatives. Chris Sullivan claims that both of his parents were not abusers of substances Mm -hmm. other than Jim's alcohol consumption. Right. Uh, which was sort of uncommon for the time, let's yep. say. Yeah. Especially in the music biz. Yeah. But they were very much tuned into this sort of zeitgeist mm. of the times. Time ghost. Time ghost of the times. <laughs> the ghost of the times. <laughs> which was very much informed by ideas of reincarnation and astrology. Okay. So his thought was that his mother became convinced that her husband was somewhere in the cosmos waiting for her. That's kind of nice. Abducted. I'd like that. Going up to space. That'd be nice. With the space people. So interest began to grow in Jim's music over the decades, mm-hmm. in some part due to the strange nature of his disappearance. Mm-hmm. So almost 10 years ago, Mott Sullivan, no relation. Mott? Mott, not okay. Matt. Mott. Sure it's not Tom backwards? <laughs> Are you reading it through a mirror? To Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's oh. Mott. Okay. It's a name. Became enamored with Jim's music and decided, with help from his wife, Filmmaker Jennifer Jennifer Mass, mm-hmm. uh, music writer Andrea Lil, mm-hmm. and a private detective to try and solve the mystery of what became of Jim. Attempting to account for Sullivan's lost hours in Santa Rosa, mm-hmm. Mott Sullivan and Jennifer Mass visited in 2010, chasing leads. Mm-hmm. A gas station worker told the police that 
Jim had asked for directions back to California. So he's oh. kind of following our rules. Always turn back. Always turn back. Always turn back. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, retired newspaper reporter Davey Delgado insisted the investigation was thorough. Right. With no arroyo left unturned. Sorry, no what? Arroyo. No what? Arroyo. What's an... <laughs> What's an arroyo? I had to look that up too. Okay. <laughs> it's like a um a creek bed or something that's been dried out. Okay. So I, it's, it's something indigenous oh, it's like that, to the area. It's like that classic expression, no creek bed left unturned. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you go to New Mexico, it's just the parlance of the area. But Quick uh, question. How do you turn a creek bed? Unturned. Say yeah. stone. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well. Because a stone, you can like no stone left. And yeah. you look under the stone, yeah. the stone's turned. If you have any experience with the expression <laughs> leaving no arroyo unturned. I would like our New get, Mexico and perhaps our Arizona fans yeah. to weigh in on this. Yeah. Is this an, ex, an expression? Have you ever left no arroyo unturned? Have you ever nef- left no arroyo unturned? Yeah. Or is are it you, just bullshit? Are you currently turning over an arroyo? <laughs> if so, please complete it. Any arroyo touch. experience would be appreciated. <laughs> yeah. Okay. With no arroyo left unturned, <laughs> no trace of him found. I'm going to start using that. In an arroyo or otherwise, you're going to get slugged. You know, it's a new year. I'm turning over a new arroyo. <laughs> <laughs> Another local, mm-hmm. Donald Cena, disagreed. And felt the investigation was strangely incomplete. Okay. Uh, according to Cena, his father, Pete, mm-hmm. who died in 1993, worked on a ranch where Sullivan's car was discovered abandoned. Okay. So probably not far from Mrs. Gennetti. You're right. Uh, he's recorded as possibly being the last person to have spoken to Jim Sullivan, asking him if he needed a ride, to which Jim said, nope. <laughs> this is uh, infuriating. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Take the ride. Yeah. Uh, Cena assumed Sullivan was some cowboy due to his appearance, <laughs> complete with handlebar mustache. I think that's racist. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Just because you're walking around in New Mexico with a cowboy hat and a mustache doesn't make you a cowboy. I guess not. It's 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 uh, discriminatory, yeah. if nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> there's a cowboy. Yeah. It's like, there's Is a it? chef. He's got a floppy white hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, How dare you assume? In the end, no one could explain why Sullivan had driven to such a remote area or why he had refused both offers of help in the cold desert winter. Right. Because, as we know, deserts can be warm as toast in the daytime and god-awful cold at night. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And this is March, though, so it's not Not the summertime. No. But none of his friends uh, viewed him as suicidal. Okay. At least there's no indication of that. Mm -hmm. Just frustratingly, no answers. Damn it. He disappeared. Uh, Mott Sullivan ended up reissuing Jim, Su- Jim Sullivan's 1969 debut UFO right. on his own Light in the Attic imprint okay. in 2010, where it vastly outperformed all of Jim Sullivan's previous record sales combined, hmm. probably due to the right. mystery the, and the, you the know, disappearance. The, the disappearance. That'll do it. Very, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'll do it, yep. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. In Santa Rosa, locals still recall the search parties and the rumors surrounding the mysterious drifter. Mm-hmm. From time to time, guests at the La Mesa request the room where Jim Sullivan never formally checked out. Right. It's now used for storage. The end. That's the real disaster here. <laughs> Having no answer. Oh, yeah. Oh, you want a closure? No. Oh. He disappeared. At least with the other no one. one find him. At least with the other, you know, 60s folk musician ones, we get the descent into Yeah, you go through the 80s and, yeah. and they're still hanging on. Oh, boy. No, this guy... So what did, what do we think? What do you think happened to him? I'm guessing UFO. Yeah. 100%. Abducted. It's going to be UFO 100%. 100%. I don't know. I yeah. think he wandered off on yeah. purpose. Jeez. Probably 
just crushed under the weight of his own guilt. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, how's that for a theory? Well, fair enough. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was that was a tragic Tuesday. That's the story, of Jim Sullivan, or what the story so far. Right. Yeah. Maybe maybe he'll show up. Maybe history will fill in some of the lost pieces. Yeah. Maybe he'll show up one day. Yeah. I was here the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, what, what about music? Funnily enough, I picked a Jim Sullivan. Oh, you song. did? Yeah. Okay, that, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed. I know. Mm-hmm. Out of left field. But um, a song called Tea Leaves okay. from his uh, second album, the yep. one that came out on Playboy Records. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That being said, it's not very sexy. Oh. But it's a good song. It's a nice song. Nice. He made nice music. Okay. It's not amazing. Maybe that's it's part of it. Part of the story. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Sweet. And you're hearing a bunch of it just now. You sure did. Sweet. Okay, well, that was a Tragedy Tuesday. That was another one of our short mini episodes about things that are, you know, usually tragic and and sometimes supremely frustrating. <laughs> I, really, I really wanted an answer. I know. Sorry. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, anyway, if you like what you hear, tell a friend. That's the best thing you can do to help us out. So get in touch. You know, go through your contacts right now. You're waiting for the next episode to come up. Just, just message someone. Or even better, social media. Do that one. At This Disaster Pod. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also check out our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com. You can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod. We got some, uh, we got, well, we got this one tier right now. But we got a goal that if we meet, we'll have some brand new content for you guys, which I think will be super exciting. And in the meantime, just join us for our next major disaster. Yes, please do. Bye. Bye.